0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: God's been so good and uh, I appreciate his presence. And why don't we just jump into the word of the Lord tonight. I've been uh, to we missed last Wednesday night not being in our sanctuary. We're still working as you can see. But we're at least we've made it back this far. We're thankful for that, and appreciate all those diligently helping in this endeavor. But two two Wednesday nights ago, um, from time to time, I like to just teach about about our giving, and I don't do that because we're in a having problems. I do that because it's biblical, and uh, I think that we need to understand the value of what happens, and so. Um, Maybe we've all been there at some point, you studied hard, maybe you're trying to pull uh, your thoughts into a central puddle of of sort, and you think you've got yourself centered around a certain subject, and and then comes the day of test, testing day, and you freeze up, and if that sounds like you, you may have test anxiety, and that's a real thing. It really is a real thing. I have had to deal with that my whole life, and um, that nervous feeling you get when you're about to take a test, I'm not just talking about ordinary around the edges nerves, but just sometimes something that you know, you know, but in that moment, it it can really, it can really freeze up on you. I think it's normal to feel a little stress and a little bit of nerves before any sort of test, whatever it may be, maybe it's not academic, but any kind of tests, I think that everybody does that, but we have come to know that tests are just a part of life, and uh, maybe we're no longer in a classroom setting, and maybe we're not even in a college setting, not a lecturer and a student, but but tests are just a part of life. We're going to be tested and tried, and, and sometimes even we, uh, in life, you have even medical tests and things and with that, with that always comes just a measure of uncertainty. Two Wednesday nights ago, I talked about the importance of being generous, but not just in giving, but generous in forgiveness and generous in mercy. And uh, the important thing that I, I felt at least to underline when we began talking about this is that, that there is a, a simple but profound truth, in my opinion, That is underlined in the word of God that we really need to get and that is this that how we give is how we receive It is so imperative to understand that fundamental That fundamental rock Because the same measure the same spirit the attitude and things of that nature of which we give That's just how it's coming back to us So I want to be as generous as I can I want to be as forgiving as I can merciful as I can because we never know. We never know when we're going to need that flowing right back in our lives. And I'm going to tell you, I don't want it when I need mercy, I don't want it trickling back in. I want there to be a well, a groundswell of mercy. And so this evening, I want to talk about tests and maybe the tests that comes with our giving. And I believe that when it comes to our tithe and offerings and things of that nature, that, that we get a test every time we experience increase. Amen. That's testing time. What are we going to do with this? How are we going to handle this? And uh, I believe the test is how do we keep God first? How do we keep God at the center of our life? And uh, Proverbs 3 and 9, the Bible says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Another translation gives these scriptures like this. Honor the Lord by giving the first part of your crops. Then you will have more grain and grapes than you will ever need. What God is saying is if you give me the first part back, amen, then I'm going to bless all the rest. So the Bible teaches us that, that, uh, that money is the number one test of our priorities. And our our bank account realize, our bank account reveals rather what's important to us. I've shared this story a couple of times, but it fits tonight, and I want to insert it here. I'm not looking for something to insert, but it was a powerful moment um, several years ago, or two or three years ago, I guess. Now I was preaching for Brother Mike Williams in uh, Apopka. He was talking about one of the men in their church. Um, Just what a giving, what a generous man uh, that he was in their church and their church's existence. And he said that this man was killed, died rather prematurely. And he just wondered how life was going to be on the other side because he had been such a friend to him and such a friend to that church. And so he said in time that his wife, his widow gave him his Bible. He said, I thought you may want this. It would be meaningful to you because of the relationship that you all shared and uh, so he had this treasured Bible and he was showing me this man's Bible but he thumbed through that Bible and he said a couple of years or a little while after that I think it was a couple of years after that he said his wife came to him and she said "I, I was going through his things today and I found something that I also thought you may be interested in and it was an old checkbook register I know we're kind of probably migrated past those these days but no checkbook register, and he said, "I." She said, "I wanted you to see this because I wanted you to see where my husband's heart was." Amen. And there, their church's name of just giving and support, and and it wasn't about the numbers; that wasn't what he was revealing. But how many, how many times, and that was just a part where your treasure is. That's that's you're going to be able to tell that it's going to come up. It will reveal itself. And so, God in His Word talks more about giving than any other subject. More, he talks more in his word about giving than he does heaven or hell. Um, over half of the parables of Jesus deals with the subject of money or giving. And the promises of God about giving are listed more than any other subject in the word of God. For just a real quick uh, comparison, the word believe is mentioned 272 times The word pray is mentioned 371 times. The word love is mentioned 714 times. But the word give is mentioned 2,162 times. Over three times the amount of times that the word love is used. And so this is not an off-subject subject. subject. This is not an out-of-bounds subject. And uh, I know that sometimes... You know, we've heard a lot of cute things said during offerings, and I've probably and no doubt been guilty of that myself. Uh, Somebody's coming to take up an offering and everything gets quiet. You know, the Bible says last time that, you know, uh, somebody talked about tithing and Malachi got quiet for 400 years. (laughs) And so we always kind of feel like we got to explain away this part of the service, but it's sad if we feel that way. Amen, because giving is very much a part of our worship. And the purpose of tithing is to teach us to put God first. It's a test. Will we keep God in this rightful place or will he just be somewhere down the pike when we get around to it? And so we give that back to God. And so um, I, I understand this, that you can give your way out of a financial mess. Absolutely, you can. You put God first. And he will, amen. I'm thankful that I'm not having to convince this audience of this tonight. This would be an uphill battle if I were trying to talk you into something. But there's resounding amens. You know why? Not because you're trying to be supportive of me tonight. It's because the experience says, amen. I know this works. I've been right here. I've been right here. And so that's why we intentionally receive our tithes and offerings, because it's a part of an act of worship, And in 1 Corinthians 16 and 2, it says, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him. Uh So it's not a competition. I'm not trying to outgive you. You're not trying to outgive me. We're giving as God has blessed us. Amen. So, um, you know, some may ask, where should this take place? The Bible says the storehouse. The storehouse, that's where we're fed spiritually. It's not an online church. It's not a church across town, across by the way. It's that table where we sit at regularly. That's where we are supporting. The matter of tithing is the only instance in scripture where the Lord ever says anything even akin to prove me or test me or try me. Just, just do it and see what happens. And so the Lord lays the gauntlet down. And he says, I promise you, there is so much confidence here in that. Let me bless you and let me prove myself to you. And so Malachi 3.10, a very familiar uh, passage of scripture, bring all the tithe of the storehouse that there might be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I want to open to you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing and there that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And so not only do I believe, that, uh, that we are to bring the tithe into the storehouse, but I believe that the storehouse ought to always have meat. Amen. There always ought to be meat in my house. And so I'm not going to get up here, and, I'm, and I know that our minister's not going to get up here and just try to sell us off on a little bit of milk toast and gravy. Amen. We want there to be meat in this house. Meat in the pulpit. We want there to be substance in this house. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 says, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And so what we do, we do unto him. And so if God is going to be number one, then we've got to keep him in that place. We've got to keep him in that spot. and He must be ahead of everything else that we do in life. And our spirit and the spirit with by which we do everything is going to tell on itself. Amen, you just find people that are just, they're just happy in their service. They're happy doing whatever it is that they do. Isn't it pleasant to find somebody that enjoys what they're doing? We've all been in those restaurants where people were just so happy uh, they were uh, serving or whatever capacity they were working in, if they were behind the cash register, if they were the one taking your order, so pleasant, so happy to be there. And uh, we've also been on the other side of that coin where you caught them on the worst day of their life or maybe that was just a common day in their life. But I was sure hated. I hated that I showed up on that day. And uh, what a pleasure it is to be able to serve the Lord and let that come across, that this is not a drudgery, this is not a, this is not a complaint, amen, and so a good test, uh, those things, uh, a good way to know what's in somebody's heart, what's on somebody's mind is going to be what they talk about. You don't have to be around people very long before you find the center of their passion. I don't mean that in an evil way. You're, you're just going to be around, you're not going to be around somebody very long before you find out something about them because their conversation is going to tell where their passion is. If we we, we love the Lord, we're not going to be ashamed to talk about him. I don't want somebody to try to put together that I'm a preacher because I got on a coat and tie. Amen. I hope something boils out of me besides just something I'm wearing. We're not going to be ashamed to talk about that. Paul said to the Ephesian church in chapter 5 and verse 19, He said, speak unto yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and make a melody in your heart to the Lord. There ought to just be a song in our heart, whether we consider ourselves singers or no. There ought to be a melody in our heart, something that's pleasant. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that it ought to boil out of us. There ought to be a hallelujah right on the edge of our lips at all times. Solomon said in Proverbs 27 and 19, he said, as in water, face anthrax to face, so the heart of man to man. And so if we want God first in our life, then we, we've got to be careful who we and what we surround ourselves with. I think it is imperative who we call friend. Amen. I think it is imperative, and we should choose friends carefully. Because you become like the people you spend the most time with. That's an absolute truth. You spend time with people who take God lightly. You spend time with people who are very shallow in the Lord. And it's not going to be long. If you're not careful, you'll become as casual as they are. Amen. You spend time with people that are committed. You spend time with people that take the word of God seriously. And you become stronger and a more committed person yourself. And so I said many, many times, and if the Lord will give me breath, I'll say it many, many more times, that we should always surround ourselves with people that are more spiritual than we are. I want to be, if I'm going to be a preacher, I want to hang around preachers that are better preachers than me, better, they're, they have a better prayer life, they have better study habits, they have better everything. Why? Because they keep stretching me, they keep pulling me, they keep testing and trying me, and it just makes me want to dig deeper into the Word. I was, I was at a funeral not long ago and, and standing in the front lawn of a church, a man began to expound to me about, and he understood where we were and he began to talk about, to me about the oneness of the Godhead. And he was a oneness person himself and he just began to talk about a few things and as he began to elaborate on something the Lord had shown him, I was just floored. It just, it created a hunger in me. I wanted to go home and read that Bible, that age old Bible story that he was telling me about. I was just, I've never really thought about it that way. Never never looked at it that way. And, and I want to be around people that make me dig deeper and make me consider the word of God at a different, on a more sincere level. I want to be very careful who I bring in my life. I want to be very careful. Proverbs 13 says, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise. But the companion of fools shall be destroyed. And so the wise will help you to be wise because friendships rub off. Oh, yes, they do. And so if you want God first, then then we gotta make sure that I am in the right relationship with people that help me keep God first because there's some relationships that are just simply wrong for us. They're unhealthy. Amen. It's easier to pull somebody down than it is to pull somebody up, and uh, it's, a, it's it's an old old saying, but it's nonetheless true you don't need a you don't need a lid on a bucket with it to keep a crab in it. all you need is another crab because every time he almost gets out there'll be the crab pulling <laughs> him. Pulling back down, and, and uh, we need to rid ourselves of people that are always almost, you almost gain some ground and they just pull you back down. I see some shaking your head. You, we've all been there, haven't we? You're, you're just trying to gain some ground, and there's somebody around you, a cynic, somebody that's negative, somebody that, that just pulls you back to the ground. Amen. Ephesians, Paul talks about redeeming the time. He said, These days are evil. And so we, we, wherefore, he said, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. We need people that challenge us to keep God at the very front of our lives. Make the best of our time. Amen. Don't be vague and don't have a, a weak grasp on the word of God, the work of God. And so here's the challenge that we face today like never before. And that is how do we keep God first in these busy, busy, hurry, distracting days that we live in? We're very familiar with to do lists. They've been around forever, I guess. Tying the string around your finger. Never gone that far, but we're familiar with those things. But we do have, and and I confess, we do have apps that help us, reminders, things that help us stay on track. And they're vital. Because it's so easy to even forget important things. I mean, it's super easy to forget, you know, trivial things. But you can even forget important matters today with the pace at which life is moving. Amen. And so I've got to look at that list daily, not just make a reminder. Because you can ignore reminders. (laughs) You know, it's just going to come up on the screen. There's not going to be a hand come out and grab you by the throat. I've needed those a couple of times. Just gonna be a subtle reminder, but I've gotta look at that list daily and then I need to look at that list and I need to ask God, help me prioritize this because I wanna keep you at the top of this and I can assure you that, uh, amen, sometimes it's all we can do to get around to the things that are pressing and pushing and so I wanna keep God first. I wanna make sure that I have a daily appointment to read my Bible and to pray, amen. Jesus served as a great example in these areas, Amen. But I also know that one of the greatest ways to keep God first is to be submitted to his will in giving. Amen. And so where do what do we do first? The first fruits. He's, that's what the scripture talks about it. It's the first fruits. It's, it's called that for a reason. That's what we should take first and set that aside and say this belongs to the Lord and I'm gonna dedicate that to him. Amen. You see, we can pay other things but those other things don't have the ability to have an increase, but God has a way to increase, but God has a unique way to deal with increase because often the Lord deals with increase from the opposite side. I want you to just stay with me for a moment. And so I wanna share with you what I mean by that because we often think in our, just our fleshly carnal way of thinking that we would just be better off if we just had more coming in. And how many of you know that you know? Sometimes there have been situations my wife and I have said you know about certain situations, you could throw a million dollars at that, and in six months it wouldn't be any different, right? Somebody here want to try that just to see, trying to prove that theory wrong. <laughs> so just raise my hand. Let's give that a whirl. And so it. The problem is clearly not going to be increase. So think the, the greater the inflow, that that's going to create a larger pool or a larger supply. If I had a raise, if I had a better paying job, if I had a rich aunt or an uncle, whatever. But the Lord looks at this from a different point of view. And so I read Malachi 3.10 a moment ago about the ties in the storehouse, but let's consider the promise of the next verse if we obey Malachi 3.10 it steps us into the promise of Malachi 3.11. He said, after 3.10, he said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. You follow that? We're standing in verse 10, but don't stop. Because God is viewing this from a completely opposite end. He said, The real key, amen, is what we need the Lord to do is rebuke the devourer. He said, He will not destroy the fruit of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field. And so some people often think of tithes and offering as an increase to our inward flow. But that's not what the Lord said. He said, I'll stop the enemy from coming in the back door because that's where the enemy can come in. Through the back door, if we're not obedient to him. I'm gonna give you some scripture. Amen, let's look in summary at just a few other passages of scripture that are in the same chapter. Verse seven says, even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. An ordinance is just simply this, a principle of ordinary behavior. And, and it's ordinary to thank God for the increase. It's ordinary to give honor and tribute back to the Lord. On one hand, I can be blessed by giving, but on the other hand, the Lord can place his hand against me if I withhold that. Amen. It's, it's um, maybe, I don't know, liking that to paying your utility bill. You let that go and you're gonna soon be reminded of how many things you have that demand <laughs> electric. Amen. I'm not the only one. I mean, we're in a place that we're prone to outages. And so the power goes out and you go in a room and flip the light on anyway. I mean, we're thinking a different wire around that one, I suppose. I don't know. But you're just shocked by how many things. And so little by little, we begin to realize how much this affects our life. And so what I'm talking about here tonight, our giving affects every aspect of your life. And if you don't think so, try it. Because you'll be surprised how many things are connected to that. Because it's not about giving $5 and the Lord gives you 10 in return. No. Amen. But you can give unto the Lord and the Lord can bless. You have no idea and we have no idea and no way to measure how God blesses us. He doesn't just bless us. Uh, Just bless us in our banking account, so to speak. But God can bless us; He can give more life in our vehicle than we ever thought necessary could ever be possible. More life in many, many other areas. The Bible says of the children of Israel, their clothes lasted for four decades; their shoes lasted. When you're in God's hand, you're in good hands. You're in good hands. You're in good hands. (laughs) Amen. The book of Haggai, chapter one, verse six, says this: "You have sown much." and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it in, into a bag with holes. That's why you gotta stop the devourer. Because it won't matter what's coming through the front door if the enemy is at the back door pulling it all away. He said, you saw much, but there's no evidence. You bring in little. You eat, but you're still hungry. You drink and you're still thirsty. You are clothed, but you're still not warm. I mean, you earn wages, but the problem is that you're putting it in a bag that has holes in it because you you can't get ahead of God. God can take it away a penny at a time more than you can make it a dollar at a time because he's God. And his word is true. And so while this does, I refer to the temple being in disrepair, it does speak to people taking care of themselves and omitting the things of God. And so when God is not first, you can be sure there's gonna be a price to pay just because we've got our priorities so wrong, so wrong. And so we redeem our finances from under the curse when we tithe, when we give unto God and we act in faith. I would warn against Uh, This and when we're talking about tithing and I've always tried to cover this through the years that that I think it's important to understand that tithe is a 10% and I think it uh, that there should be a warning when people are just trying to give a token offering to the Lord and call it a tithe. That's what Ananias and Sapphira essentially did. They were dishonest. In their giving and I think we need to have integrity in our giving tithes and offerings are completely different things tithe is something we pay offerings or what we give and so if we don't practice spiritual integrity in our giving that's just going to lead to more problems amen I I, I don't want to be dishonest if anything I don't want to give I want to give more (laughs) I want to I want to round up I want to make sure that I've got this covered I want to make sure because I've been so blessed by the Lord can I speak on your behalf? You've been so blessed by God, man. This is not haggle worthy. You hear me? This is not worth haggling about. Lord, if I, if, if there's any question in my mind, if there's any question in my mind, my wife and I talk about this often. I mean, we get a gift card or something in the mail. We get something that is an increase to us. We want to make sure that was we want to we want to tithe on that. God was good to us. Amen. We want to make sure that everything that comes into our house is an increase. I want to make sure. I don't want to stand with anything in my hand or anything in my heart. We've been so blessed by God and people all around. I said it earlier, but but people all around me, my whole life, I look back and I've just been so blessed to have people in my life that challenge me in the area of giving. Amen. Don't be stingy. Be generous. He is worthy. Amen. He is worthy. And it's not for the sake of comparison. It's for the sake of growth. It's for the sake of growing and stretching in God. Amen. You've heard me say it before, but I was just so thankful for grown men when I was a young man in this church that taught me how to give by not saying, here's how you do it now. But when I sat with them in church, I watched them give. And I watched them pull from the right side of their wallet. You've heard me say this before. They wasn't over there trying to unravel a one. Amen. They were giving because God had blessed them and challenged me as a young man and challenged me to this day. You know, some people would say that tithing is an Old Testament concept but I just want to tell you that tithing is a biblical concept. Biblical. It's as far back as you can get. It is biblical. Genesis 14. The Bible talks about Melchizedek, the son of Salem, that brought bread and wine. And he was the priest of the Most High God and blessed him and said, Blessed be the Abram, the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithe of all. This was 500 years before the law of moses so when people say oh that's just a that's a law thing no 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 this is a biblical thing people were tithing dead centuries before the law of moses additionally if we think about abel if we think about abel the bible says that he gave tithe of all that was 2500 years before the law so don't let people tangle you up and say that's just, a, that's just an Old Testament. That's a law of Moses. We're not from under the law. This is a biblical concept and we give unto the Lord because he's been so good and so generous to us. Amen. Jacob, Jacob in Genesis 28 and 22 said, this is a stone which I have set for a pillar and it shall be God's house and of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give a tenth unto thee. That's what Jacob had to say 400 years before the law. I want to give unto God because he's been so good. He's been so good. I want his blessings on my home. I want his blessings on my life. I want him to know that I, want, I don't want to be. I, I ask the Lord often, help me to know when to be frugal and help me to know when to be generous. I don't want to be foolish. But help me to know. Help, help me feel something. And, and he will. I felt God check me both ways. And I'm thankful for that. Amen. That God would help us in those areas. I, I'm thankful that it's not just in the old testament, Matthew twenty-three and twenty-three, Jesus himself said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He said, You pay tithe of the mint and and, and and us and, cum, and cumin and and have omitted the waiter omitted omitted the weightier law matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These, he said, ought you to have done and not leave the other undone. You're over here worrying about all of this. And there are weightier matters of the law. Amen. So here's what's important to understand is that God didn't change his mind between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Hebrews speaks of Abraham paying tithes to Melchizedek and then he likened us, amen, he likened us to Abraham and he likened Melchizedek to Jesus in Hebrews 7, 8, 9, and 10. And so when we designate something as tithing unto God, I believe there is a spiritual thing that happens right there. We put God first. This belongs to him. Amen. And then God receives it. And what God, you watch whatever goes in God's hands. Just look what he did with the old muddy water that was at the wedding of Cana Galilee. Look what he did with the fishes and the loaves. When you put something in God's hand, you can trust that it's going to be okay. He's going to bless it and he'll give it back. Amen. Tithing is a blessing. Giving is a blessing. It is more blessed to give than to receive. But can I also tell you that it's also a season, that there are also seasons in our lives where God helps us to receive. Yes, he does. It's not only more blessed to give than it is to receive, but somebody help me, it's easier to give than it is to receive. Somebody tries to bless you back and man, it's just an awkward fit, isn't it? But it's still biblical. It's still biblical. And so, you know, sometimes people would would try to just think, well, you know, the people that are givers and the people that participate and practice all these things, those are just those kind of hyper-Christians. Those hybrid people, you know, every Sunday, every Wednesday. But history especially American history, is filled with prominent businessmen and women who had strong convictions about supporting the work of God. You may have heard of some, but J.C. Penney himself was a tither. And he continued as God blessed him and the closing hours of his day, he kept 10% and gave back 90%. That's how the Lord does it. Amen. J.L. Kraft, the head of the Kraft Cheese Corporation, it is stated that he had given approximately 25% of all of his income to the work of God for many, many years. And he said, he is quoted as saying, the only investment I've ever made which has paid consistently increasing dividends is money that I have put into the work of God. We may think of these men because they're not on a platform somewhere as just being carnal and crass in a dog eat dog world. But somewhere somebody planted a seed in their heart. And they practice that somewhere. And they watched God because they kept God first and God proved himself. Amen. How does a man start paying 10% and wind up paying 90%? It's not on a bet, not on a dare. In this world, dare. It was in that world, dare. He said, prove me. Amen. J.D. Rockefeller said, I would never have been able to tithe the first million dollars if I had not ever tithed my first salary, which was $1.50. You know why? Because it's a test. And I want to pass that test. I want to push back test anxiety. (laughs) And I want to win this battle because I want the Lord to destroy the devourer. That's what's key. I don't want something that the it don't matter how tight you've got the front door closed if the back door's left open that's where the devourer is going to come in, and he can rob more that way than any other way. Amen, I'll ask our musicians just to just stay where you are if you would let's stand amen, let's consider the word of the Lord tonight it's true amen i uh, i i I know my audience this evening as I've said, and uh I'm thankful to be a part of a generous church, a giving church. Amen. Not one time, not one time have we ever had to get up pump and prime bags. Not once. There's ever been a need? Present the need. You know why? Because you put it to the test. And you know that God will do it. Amen. God will do it. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for your love and kindness. Your word is true, it's unbending, it is forever settled. And we pray tonight, God, in the Holy Ghost, that the principles of your word, God, will just be a part of the bedrock of who we are. That We would not only live this ourselves, but help us to teach these principles to our, to our children and help them to see this for themselves. To try and to test the water. Oh God and let them see the bow, the value and the benefit of putting you first, keeping you first and not allowing anything to ever get our priorities out of line. Let your word today, God, touch our heart and our spirit and strengthen us together in the lovely name of Jesus we pray.